Hello, and welcome to the Sharing Our Stripes podcast, a space for young adults living with a rare disease to share their story and address the issues facing our community. My guest today is Dan Pizzetta, a patient advocate living with congenital aortic stenosis. In our conversation, Dan and I discuss his journey as a patient advocate, as well as his new passion project, an Instagram account called Disability Rewritten. I hope that you enjoy our talk, and without further ado, here's Dan. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to get to talk to you today. Oh, hi. Thank yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been is a real pleasure getting uh, invited over here. All right. So Dan, I'd love it if you could share a little bit of your story, how you came to be a part of the rare disease community. Yeah. So I was I was born with my rare condition. I was born with aortic stenosis, which, funnily enough. people in their 60s, 70s, it's the most common heart disease that people can get. However, being born with it is incredibly rare. Uh, I've had multiple Ross procedures to rectify the issue. I have got, I wasn't really involved within the community. I had my condition and I grew up almost isolated from everything. Like I didn't know there were people like me or people similar to me with other conditions going through their own journeys. So it was very interesting like when i was exposed to these types of things in my freshman and sophomore year of college it was really enlightening and i knew at around that time that i really wanted to get involved that was around the time that i started getting actually very interested in politics and policy i had just changed my major uh pretty recently into political science and i i realized that i had a voice that was important to fight for legislation that could represent people like me and even though I didn't know anyone in that space I wanted to be able to find that and I was thankfully able to find Every Life Foundation I was able to get involved in their speakers bureau uh, have a lot of speaking opportunities be able to meet so many incredible people um, and like I said before like I'm, I haven't met anyone with my condition specifically but being able to meet so many different people that get it no matter what their condition is it was absolutely wonderful and I'm so thankful to be able to have this opportunity and continue to be able to speak on behalf. And I'm currently going to grad school for legislative affairs at George Washington to continue advocating and be in positions where I could help push policy forward. That's awesome. It's always so cool when you can find ways to connect with people, even though they don't have the exact same experience as you, they get it in a way that other people don't. Yeah. Like I love like there's almost, it's almost that shared experience where like we don't have to, over explain ourselves or justify why we do things or anything like that, whether it's a heart condition or a lung condition or any, any condition in general, it's just, there's that commonality that our experience has, whether you were born with it or developed it uh, in later in life, or you were diagnosed later on, like, um, or even undiagnosed in general right now, like there's, there's that shared connection. And I think that's really beautiful. It really is. So you mentioned that you've been involved in some different advocacy work and policy work. Do you have a highlight of like a favorite moment in your advocacy career that you'd like to share with people? Yeah, I I have two. So there was one, it was after I spoke at Rare Disease Week on Capitol Hill 
um, there was a there's a group of like early teens that approached me. And a couple of months earlier, I was given an opportunity to speak at uh, Oxalosis and Hyperoxaloria Foundation. They had an event that um, Yar wanted to promote themselves, uh, and they invited me over to do that. And they said like they were inspired by like the opportunities and like me talking about it and my experience that they wanted to be a part of like more policy and advocacy. And they all went to Rare Disease Week together and like they like were excited to meet me again. And that really that meant a lot that I was able to make that impact for especially up and coming teens that wanted to be able to get involved in policy and like really be able to advocate for themselves. And that was something that was really incredible. And then another experience. Um, this previous year, I did a presentation on Padufa with uh, my friend Abby, and the feedback that we got from it was incredible. We worked really hard on it together, doing a co-presentation, um, and just hearing just how well-received it was, especially with how hard of a policy that is to really uh, comprehend the Prescription Drug User Fee Act, for those who don't know, it's it's, it's a lot and being able to make that into a digestible content that people were actively engaged in uh was was incredible and it was an amazing presentation it was so informative and entertaining at the same time you really made it digestible and not dry content which was yeah because really it's it gets very dry and it, it it could be very dry uh and it's very dense so i was really happy that we were able to make it so that way it was easily accessible to anyone regardless of policy knowledge. So Dan, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about the Instagram account that you launched this week, Disability Rewritten. Can you tell me a little bit about what your plans are for that? Yeah, so it was, I have been wanting to do something like that for a couple months now, and it was more of just finally working up the courage to actually do it. Uh, it was kind of spitballing the idea because I had worked previously with another organization where I was making the social media posts and I absolutely enjoyed that. And it was something that I found was impacting a lot of people and it was something that I found personal joy in and I wanted to be able to kind of create my own platform that allowed a uh, community to really engage and we were able to talk about issues, whether it was people who were disabled or able-bodied to really be educated in certain issues that affect our community, uh, certain historical figures or moments within the disability uh, rights, disability rights history, um, being able to highlight people's stories um, in the modern day, being able to share their experiences from a whole spectrum. I actually have someone that had already reached out to me that uh, wants to share their story in a post, so I'm hoping that will come out soon. Um, but overall, I want to be able to continue posting um, topics uh, just like the one I posted recently about guilt. Uh, and how that can affect uh, the story of disability, uh, affect the journeys of people who are disabled. Um, I want to continue, I want to start making historical ones. I have a historical one uh, about a Supreme Court case next week that I'm really excited to post about. And just being able to create a really positive community where a lot of people can learn. And I'm, I'm really excited to see where it goes. I'm also so excited to see where it goes. That first post about guilt was incredible i really enjoyed it and i just can't wait to see all of the amazing things that you do in the future yeah it'll be there'll be posts three posts a week monday monday wednesday friday um and it's just it's a fun passion project and that's something that like at the end of the day like i i want to be able to no matter what i do i always want to have a tremendous impact on people and i feel like this is like a 
a fun way for me to be able to allow that to happen as well as being able to uh, create a community and help educate more people. That's awesome. You spoke a little bit earlier about how one of your favorite advocacy moments was inspiring some younger advocates to get involved. What advice would you give to a young person who's wanting to get involved in advocacy? I think one of the biggest things that it, it took me a while to actually learn this too is that advocacy is not just policy-based. Advocacy can be advocating for yourself in front of your family or friends, advocating for um, accessibility and uh, accommodations that you may need, uh, advocating in all walks of life. And that's something that's important to realize that self-advocacy and being able to stand up for yourself or other people uh, close to you that are going through similar situations is just as important as the state or federal level of legislation. Because if we're able to continue making those smaller steps, it creates those bigger steps and those opportunities. And I think it's also important too to how you're able to self-advocate and I think how you're able to make sure and stand up for the people and closest to you uh, makes you a better advocate when it comes to that federal uh, side as well. So well said. And kind of along the same lens, what advice would you want to give to someone who is recently diagnosed with a rare disease? I think uh, for recently diagnosed, um, it's interesting. So I, for me, that's something that I have never personally experienced. I was born with it and I never had that idea of like uh, me as an able-bodied person. So I think I know a lot of people that have gone through that process and it's hard knowing like their life is going to change, knowing that there's going to be adjustments and it's okay to, to be scared or nervous or mad or afraid or any feeling. It's, it's valid. And I think it's important to take that time to really process what you need to do, how you're going to do it, and the steps that you need to be the best person you can be. Awesome. And what advice would you have for someone who is not someone with a rare disease, but who wants to be an ally to the community? What would you like to see allies to the community doing? I think at the end of the day, you have to, to listen to the needs of people in the rare disease community. I think that's with any uh, marginalized group is that it, if you want to be an ally, you have to be able to listen and not only listen, but once you do listen and process that, be able to help take action, whether that's creating accessible spaces or advocating for policy or standing up for your friend or your family member, anything like that. I think it's important to listen to the needs that are need that uh, that that person or people or community needs, and then being able to actually take action that will be beneficial and not just have that I hear you and that listening but no action. At the end of the day, there needs to be action, but that could only happen if you are actively listening and doing the actions that are actually needed by that community. I agree with that 100%. It is so important that we actually amplify the voices of the people living this experience. And that's sort of what we're trying to do here is give young people in the community a voice. Yeah, and I think that's something, especially with new generations, we're going to continue having more and more people in the rare disease community because there's so many more treatments, so much more accessibility than there was 20, 30 years ago. In my personal experience, like I still have to continue going to pediatric doctors because 
no other doctors know how to deal with my condition because no one lived that long. Uh, people that were born with aortic stenosis. So it's the field is continuously changing, and that's not just in the cardiac space, but that's in a lot of spaces where our community. It, it may sound bad that it's growing, but it it's actually a good thing in the sense that people are getting the treatment, people are getting the uh, things that they need to be able to continue living their best life and advocating for themselves. And I think that's something that's very important as well. And especially as we continue getting young, uh, young individuals that want to advocate, not, uh, not only in policy wise, but again, for themselves, uh, it's going to be really important to continue highlighting those voices and showing um, that disability is not just something that people get when they're old or something that um, you develop later in life. I love the points you raised about our advances in the medical fields with diagnosis and treatment, growing our community, which is, again, it sounds bad, but it really is a good thing because people are having these conditions recognized and treated. And I think another thing that's really growing our community is social media and the ability to connect with people from all around the world. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with that? Yeah, so... It was really interesting because like once the pandemic began, a lot of the friends that I had made in the rare disease space prior, um, I had met only a couple times in person, um, like at events or rare disease week or anything like that. But there was always that idea of like, oh, we'll always be able to see each other in person. And that was gone. It was so important to be able to have things like Zoom or texting each other or Instagram or Facebook or whatever have you, where we're able to connect with each other, talk to each other. Um, and not only did I have the friends that I made prior to the pandemic, but I made so many friends over the course of the pandemic that were going through similar struggles, um, whether that was uh, wor- like being worried about COVID, uh, loneliness, um, medical struggles, anything like that. And it was so important to have that support system of people that we were going through this similar situation together and we were able to meet virtually and talk to each other and if we were ever in a i feel like if this was like a pandemic that was in like the 70s or 80s and that would have been so much harder on people mentally because we wouldn't have been able to connect with each other in ways that we wanted and it was so fulfilling being able to um recently see a lot of people that i had never met before um that i had made friends with over the course of the last two years And it was so cool getting to to see them in person, getting to do things with them. I agree. That's something I'm definitely looking forward to with Rare Disease Week coming up is getting to connect with so many people that I've only known in their little boxes on Zoom screens or their text messages. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting to have that in person again. And it's crazy. It's crazy to think because that was the Rare Disease Week in 2020 was like two, three weeks before everything shut down. And it miracle no one got sick from it but it's just crazy thing like what in one week we're advocating and pushing this policy and then next week everything is shutting down that must have been a wild experience yeah it 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 really was because it was like there was still a lot of discussion about it at that time and again i think it was just the severity of it wasn't known at the time which was scary so Dan, is there a particular piece of legislation that you feel really strongly about advocating right now that you'd like to share? Um, 
for me, it's always uh, one of the the classic ones that is always there is the Newborn Screening Act. Um, it provided a federal guideline of uh, uh, conditions, diseases that would be checked over um, for uh, babies when they were born. Uh, that way there could be uh, early action taken to prevent any of these conditions. Um, since the bill has expired, it's state by state. And thankfully, most states have been able to keep up the federal guideline diseases of what was recommended. Uh, however, as the years continue going by and by, it's likely that cuts will happen. It's likely that less and less screening will happen. Um, and it's frustrating because there is a lot of bipartisan support. Um, Rand Paul is sadly holding it up uh, for a while now. Um, but I hope eventually that it can get passed and the standards and the funding and all of that will be able to continue growing. That is definitely something that is so crucial to our community because that early detection can save so many lives. For sure. And it saves lives. It allows conditions to not get worse. It allows earlier diagnosis. There's so many benefits. And the the problem that will start becoming is that states that don't have as much funding or states that um, decide to cut what conditions are being checked, it's going to gradually degrade if it's not uh, put in federally, which is unfortunate. So Dan, as we head into a new year to start more advocacy, do you have a goal for 2023 of what you would like to do as an advocate? I think for me, it, it's gro- growing my my second page is something that I really want to be able to do and grow that community. Um, I want to be able to become more knowledgeable in certain policies that I don't know as much about. Um, I feel like in the last two years, I kind of fell out of the legis like going really hardcore in terms of learning the legislation. And I focused a lot more on self-advocacy due to the pandemic, but I think I'm at a space now where I want to get back into more of the legislative advocacy. Um, and then outside of that, I, I want to continue getting to know more people in the community, continue learning more people's stories, and uh, continue making those connections. Because I think that's been my most fulfilling part of this experience is making the connections that I have made. All right, so as we wrap up here, is there any organization that you'd like to sort of give a shout out to direct other advocates to that you think might be a helpful tool or resource? Uh, I think some wonderful organizations. I think uh, Every Life Foundation is probably one of my favorites. It's the one that got me involved in advocacy. Um, I also want to shout out Global Genes. I think they are a wonderful group that focuses on uh, policy, um, as well as stories and highlighting people's stories. Um, when it comes to like personal groups, um, there's a lot of groups that are based on conditions. Uh, I always, I, I don't know all of them off the top of my head, but I always want to shout out those types of groups that focus on rare conditions and helping improve the lives of people within those conditions. Those are just as vital, so important, and they're, they're amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today, Dan. It was so wonderful to hear your story and the amazing things that you've accomplished already in your life and some of your goals moving forward. 
course. Thank thank you so much for for having me. It was it was a pleasure, and I was really excited when you asked me if I wanted to be a part of this.